the struggle on the streets for young people in Columbus is real. And we're going to talk to someone who understands that struggle. Come on back for another edition of the Chuckle Room Show. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Welcome to the Chuck Williams Show. We had a couple of weeks where we didn't do one. We're back in it. And we're going to try to keep it going the best we can every week. Our guest is Rodney Close. Rodney is president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Chattahoochee Valley. Welcome, Rodney. Thanks, Chuck. Rodney is an interesting guy. He's got a lot of fingers in this community. Not only is he president of the Boys and Girls Clubs, which how many of them are there? We have seven locations here in Columbus. Uh, and you reach kids? We, we serve kids between the ages of 5 and 18. And uh, have, uh, five standalone sites, two are in the schools. And it's just a great opportunity to serve uh, the youth of Columbus. And you serve at-risk kids as well as kids that? Absolutely. Boys and Girls Clubs has been around next month. would be 85 years in the community. And for many, many years, we've been served. started out as Boys Club. And in 1997, we became Boys and Girls Club. So we serve a, a population of 60% uh, males and 40% females. And so literally, uh, on an average daily attendance, we serve about 650 kids a day. And not only do you do that, yeah. this is an amazing part of how, you, sure. how you've integrated into our community. Uh, you're also the current chairman of the board of the Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce. That's a position that has been held by people that have great business reach and yeah. influence. I mean, you're holding two really, really important jobs. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Chuck, uh, just – you know, from my uh, nonprofit time in Atlanta and just here in the community. And, you know, I've had some uh, opportunities to serve on a lot of boards. Uh, I would say the Chambers Board has been one of the most unique opportunity. I guess if you hang around long enough, and I've been on the Chamber Board probably almost uh, seven years uh, when I was brought on. And, and I tell you, living in any community, you know, one of the, the strongest, you know, um, component of driving jobs and opportunities and just how our city looks becomes, um, you know, bit part of the chamber and the, the, the economic development. And so I'm, when I was asked to, to do it uh, by Jill and uh, Pace and Pace Halter, who I actually followed after, you know, it was a no brainer, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, because one, you know, the infrastructure that we're designing and building in Columbus is all about the chamber and those that could support us as well. So, yeah, it's, and I'm going to come back to sure. more of that, but I want to get a little bit into your background. Sure. Uh, you were raised in Bainbridge, Georgia, right? Absolutely. By a single mom. You got it. Uh, I tell you, um, we stayed with my grandmother, and when I, you know, I was born, brought into this world, and uh, my mom, we, we shared a, a twin bed. Uh, at my grandmother's house, we ended up uh, graduated to a full-size bed, which was in the middle of the other house. And and so my mom worked third shift. So, you know, my grandmother was there. My grandfather was there, had uncles, cousins, and, 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 and staying there as well that had kids. So we really was a, a family that really worked together and uh, stayed around each other. I got a grandfather who really – was my male role model. I, I didn't meet my father until I was eight years old. My father fought in Vietnam. I'll never forget one day we were out 
in my grandmother's yard playing around. This guy pulls up in this beautiful Corvette and said, hey, what, gave me this wallet. Say, hey, I'm your daddy. I'm like, really? Okay. Um, and we just kept playing. So for me, you know, um, my mom never taught me to hate my father. Uh, she intro- He introduced himself to me after being incarcerated for drugs, come to find out after he got out of Vietnam. And uh, and we probably spent probably four times out my whole career. Uh, you know, he passed away in 1998. Uh, and, of course, uh, I was given the flag. I was his only son that he had. And so really, you know, which is really, you know, I have a 15-year-old son now. And, of course, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a playbook. My playbook was uh, being a good dad, probably not having one, which I had an opportunity to, you know, really help mold my son today, which is a sophomore at Northside High School, which is, uh, you know, great to just see how he, you know he's been brought up. But I had a loving grandmother that was just amazing. You know, I, we were. I was afraid to get in trouble at school just because <laughs> I knew what my mom would do. And, uh, and I bet you're more scared of your grandma. Uh, yes, no doubt. <laughs> I think I got more uh, whippings with a switch from her than I did my mom. Yeah. And, you know, those whippings were a warning to not yeah. do that again, that, right? That's correct. I'll, I'll tell you this here. I was so afraid of disappointing my mom. I did not want a teacher calling her. I wasn't the smartest kid in the world. But I knew I wanted to work hard. I wanted to achieve success. And I had, you know, I tell you, the first time I ever went to a, um, uh, uh, to step foot on a college campus, I had a cousin who played baseball and, and kind of helped me along the way with baseball. And how much older was your cousin? He's six years older than okay. I am. So he was a full, he was, that's right. He was, he was ahead of you in the cycle. He's six, six, six years older than I was. And, um, I was kind of a little, little, little brunt that was running around and, and my other cousin, him and they were both the uh, same age and, and they were tough on me. They were tough on me. They would beat up on me and tough uh, love, tough love. I would say it was tough love. And so my first time ever attending a college, I never, I went, with my cousin who went to Albany State, and he invited me up over the weekend, stayed with him and one of his friends. It was my first opportunity on a college campus. And I was like, wow. And I didn't, and it was my first time. And so when I got to University of Georgia, I ended up majored in political science because he majored in political science. I didn't you, know, I didn't know. What and I was, you were an athlete. You played baseball. You know, it's, I want to spin back sure. real quick because I'm going to get into the UGA experience, but you played one of the formative coaches in your life was Coach Smart. We're not talking about Kirby. We're yeah. talking about Kirby's dad. I'll tell you, uh, Coach Smart. You know, and I didn't find. Let me. Let me. I'm gonna come back to Coach Smart. Okay. But Coach Kilo, Stan Kilo, who was my high school baseball coach and really like a second father to me, and didn't look like me. And but my first. Never forget college visit was to uh, uh, Barry College in Rome. In Rome, and he took me up there. We stayed in the hotel together. They wanted to wanted me to come to the Barry, and I just wasn't feeling it. But my point is, my mother couldn't take me because her car couldn't have got us up to Barry because she had a '73 Cutlass Oldsmobile that just probably Tallahassee was the furthest we could go on it. But for for me. I mean, he and I stay in contact together. He called me. For, uh, he was in town um, the week we were in uh, Asheville, 
and uh, this how this his wife was having a procedure at Northside and called me, so I stepped out of the room and talked to him, and then my wife called to just see if he needed anything. But Coach Smart, you know, I, I used to always wonder who was helping send me to these baseball camps, and it never came to my thought that, you know, it wasn't my mother. I thought it was my mom, but it was folks like Coach Smart. So, and he was he was like a father to a lot of. Uh, my fellow peers, and then, and I, you know, what I realized, and you know, later in life, around my little the cohort of friends that I had, most of them came from single parents. That was very strong in raising young African American boys to be, you know, uh, a staple in the community, respectful, you know, and things of that nature. And so I had the the, the pleasure last. Uh, fall to go up to a uh, few of us went up to uh, it was our 30th class reunion we went up to the University of Georgia spent some time with coach smart uh, miss smart which is my what taught my wife and I English I had a chance to spend time with her as well and Kirby's family and just uh, so as we were walking down to the stadium I told him I said coach I appreciate you I didn't know I didn't I didn't know and and so you you know someone that didn't look like me that was helping me, helping pay for me to go to these select camps at Florida State and other places that I thought was my mom all alone. And so today, you know. What did he say when you told him that? He said, you know, Rodney, you know, it was just part of our job. That's things that we do. And so, and, you know, I, you know, when I, I get a little choked up about it because. You got me grind. You know, you, you, you think about white and black. It doesn't matter. People. You know, there's folks that have helped me along the way that don't look like me, that have opened doors for me. And, you know, and that's 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 what we do as a as a community. And so for me, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, to, to pass that along to those that, you know, I try to pull up and try to make sure they understand, you know, there's people that may not look like you that can help you. And so, you know, you got to be a very a person that's willing to, you know, Meet everybody. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's and just, meet them where they are. Absolutely, absolutely. So that sounds. I mean, yeah. Ha, Kirby's four years younger than you, so you knew him as the kind of the kid that was hanging around the program. But how are Kirby and his dad similar or different? I mean, you know, you know both of them. You're seeing everything. I mean, is what you're seeing with Kirby? Is there some of his dad in there? You know, he looks just like his dad. And uh, I'll say this here, he, his dad was, from a coaching standpoint, he was a little bit more subtle than Kirby. And his dad was one of those that, you know, he would pace down the sidelines, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a Friday night in Bainbridge, Georgia, when we planned Motri of Valdosta. But he just had that, you know, that, that stern look. Kirby has energy. Kirby uh, has a lot more energy. I'm sure Coach Smart probably at, the, at 46, uh, 47, wherever Kirby is at, uh, had that same kind of drive. But Kirby has a ton of energy. Kirby is one of the, you know, the, I mean, probably one of the, the biggest things that came out of Bainbridge, Georgia. And uh, a lot of that's owed to, you know, his mom, Miss um, Smart, and, and Coach Smart. You know, South Georgia high school football is big boy football. It is. It is. It is. What position did you play in football? Played running back, played uh, outside linebacker. and uh, You're not big enough being outside linebacker. Well, back then it was like Rover. <laughs> <laughs> it was Rover. You were chasing the ball, That's right? right. That's okay. right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, what did you play in baseball? Played outfield. You know, uh, um, 
I love, you know, baseball was probably my favorite sport. You know, probably it was my favorite sport. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, didn't realize where I was, I mean, from T-ball all the way up to graduating from high school, didn't realize um, the opportunities until, you know, um, scouts started coming around in my junior, senior year. And, um, and so it was kind of, you know, at the same day that I signed with the University of Georgia, in 1991 was the same day I got a, a letter from the Atlanta Braves being drafted. To, 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 you know, what so round did they pick you? I think it was probably 38, something like that. Um, so one, it, it, wasn't, was, it was money, but not real bonus no money. No money, no money. The education was more valued than the money, right. right? That That's correct. And so for me, uh, chose to go to the University of Georgia, loved it. And uh, uh, first time being away from home, uh, probably – Never forget uh, packing up the car and leaving and crying like a baby because I was leaving my mom and that has been my rock and has really, you know, is is my biggest champion and just a hero to me. For she's my hero because how she helped put me through. Is she still alive? Still alive. She has a birthday tomorrow. Hopefully the flowers will land. I think they'll be there today. <laughs> I ordered flowers and so she'll get her flowers uh, for her birthday tomorrow. Yes. And uh, and then play and love playing at Georgia and uh, uh, my you know as a freshman I, and letter my freshman year all the way up through my senior year and then and, and think it was in uh, to my second year second year it was all SEC tournament team which was Todd Helton was on that which Todd Helton played at Tennessee and the Colorado Rockies yes he did and uh, heck of a player. Um. Was athletics your ticket to a better life? Yes, I'll tell you this here. Um, I was not the smartest kid in the classroom. However, I would sit up front. And uh, honestly, I knew that was my ticket out of Bainbridge. It was either going to be Florida State or it was going to be University of Georgia. Florida State would have gave me more money. I would probably would have been a Seminole because it was 40 minutes from Bainbridge. And mom. when you say money, you're talking about more scholarship. That, that, that's correct. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I mean, today it's real money. That's right. But NIL. But back then – Baseball is notorious for carving up scholarships, that, college baseball. That's correct. And I'll tell you, being able to, you know, get additional money, and I'll tell you one thing that helped out was Pell Grant fulfilling that entire uh, baseball scholarship, which I didn't have to pay for anything. When you look back on it, at what point did the boy become a man? I would say um, – Probably leaving college, and I'll say that because – So you still had a lot of kid in you the four years you were at UGA. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're going into, you know, probably the, the largest uh, – one of the, the largest universities in the state of Georgia. Uh, a kid out of Bainbridge, it, you know, hadn't been at a uh, facility – I mean, uh, uh, seen that many people there. And UGA was not as diverse then as it is now. I would agree. I would agree. You know, it's really has, um, I, I think you're, it's very competitive today uh, from an SCT standpoint or ACT getting in. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw something that this year's freshman class at UGA uh, had an average GPA of 4.2. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I got in as an athlete because <laughs> 4.2 was nowhere in in sight for me. No, uh, either. Yeah, so I have a son who now has a – he wants to go to the University of Georgia. We had this conversation with, if you want to go, 
let me just tell you, you're gonna, it's, it's gonna be tough. And so you, and he's a pretty good student. I think he can get in, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, it was great being up there. How do you, and this, this is probably not gonna be a sure. fair question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Please. Knowing how you were raised, knowing that you were raised by mom, grandma, grandfather, sure. and you now are able to raise your son sure. with more of the worldly things, how do you as a parent make sure that your son understands the value of some of the things that put you where you are now and not overcompensate by saying, well, I can give him something I didn't have. You know, I tell you, it's probably the two evils. Um, growing up where uh, my mother had limited resources. My wife also, she went to the University of Georgia. We met in Bainbridge. I should have definitely started. What's your wife's name? Melanie's Close. Okay. She works over at Piedmont okay. here in Columbus. Um, she's been my rock. And she was a graduate of the University of Georgia. Uh, and I, I'll tell you the, the, the tale of two devils here is, one, you grow up and you want your children to have in reach everything that they need to survive. And, and sometimes we give them a little bit more. Uh, you know, I love my son to death. You know, he will never have to want as long as my wife and I, we can continue to work. But there is some things, you, you know, you want kids to, you know, understand how to, uh, the value of a dollar. You know, he, he cuts grass. We're out there pulling limbs. You know, probably not as much as we did growing up, but uh, he's a good kid, you know. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, he will never have to struggle. Uh, I hope he, he understands what the true struggle is because we talk about it, kind of what we came up, how we came up and – how we made it. And, but, you know, today it's a different kind of society, you know, uh, I mean, he's, he's a good student, very proud of him. And I hope and pray every day that he makes the right decision because right now there's so, so there's so many different angles that kids can take. They can go left or they can go right. We're going to get into that, but I understand what you're saying in a very personal way because my dad was a first generation college a student was raised by a single mother in Montgomery in the 40s and 50s, and the only way he could afford to go to college was he was on scholarship yeah. at Auburn playing baseball, and he was a catcher, and he had played – this was back when American Legion ball was the way – you didn't have travel right. ball, you That's had American right. Legion ball, and he had played on a very good American Legion team in Montgomery that played all over this country. And when he got the scholarship offer from – Auburn partial and he worked in the mess hall to finish it up and um, my grandmother wouldn't let him take the scholarship because she thought it was a gift she thought it was charity gotcha. the guy his baseball coach had to come explain that he had earned this that this was not this was and from that point on you know as a kid who grew up with a dad who was a lawyer you know an Alabama lawyer I didn't want for anything, and you know, but I know where he came from, and you, you really, you start looking at that, and I don't think sometimes you appreciate the struggle that your parents went through to get where they are, and it sounds like it sounds like you and your wife really have, you know, have got that balance kind of covered. Yeah, I tell you, um, the the times I just reflect and. You know, my mom, she comes more comes up here a little bit more than 
she did when we lived in Atlanta because she was never going to drive to Atlanta. Yeah, just get on 27 and start coming north. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, there were strong parents back then, and, and there still are strong parents today, but that's what we just got to figure out, how we can really pour in the kids, give them hope and, 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 and beliefs that they can, they can do anything that they want to. And so that's, you know, and we've got to get to that point, you know. You get to see kids in, in the boys and girls clubs. You get to see kids that are in those 15 to 18 years, 14, 15, 18 even, who are faced with decisions that are going to impact literally the rest of their life or could could end their life. Yeah. What do you say to those kids when you're in one of the clubs and you're talking to kids that are struggling between joining a game or staying in school, chasing the money and the lure of selling drugs and doing stuff like that? What do you say to that kid? You know, you you know, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, a lot of our kids, uh, minority, white, black, it doesn't matter, green, really dream big and sometimes when there is no support system there we, we kind of we're getting what we're getting and I'll tell you for me it's I'm always when I'm at talking going by one of our clubs and say hey what do you want to be when you grow up you know and if they're saying basketball if they want to say a lawyer an attorney or a doctor then we get a little bit more in the dialogue and so for me it's really uh, trying to help kids to dream big you know and really to take the, the advantages and the opportunities that are there for them because, one, most of them probably, like myself, as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, had a cousin who went to Albany State and invited me up to Albany State. And I'm like, wow, I'm on a college campus, and which is only about 50 minutes from, from, from Bainbridge. And that experience. Then I get to the University of Georgia. He majored in political science. I didn't know if I wanted to be a policy major. And, however – got into that but ended up being an education major with my intent was to be a guidance counselor in the school and and then got into working with boys and girls clubs and the rest is history did you think about coaching never 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 had a well, desire i take co- coaches were the guys that gave you the leg up why didn't you what i'll say this here uh let me let me retract that i'd have when i when we moved here and i'll tell you one of the main reasons i moved here because we were here in 96. You've had two stints. In two stints, 96 through 99, and then came back December of 12, 2012. Okay. December 3rd, 2012. So it would be 10 years in, 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 December. In, in December. And the reason I came here, because I loved Atlanta great, but I wanted to spend some quality time with my son. And I knew from living here in the beginning, it was a community that embraced families. You know, you're not – working till 12 at night. Uh, and for me, it was I wanted to spend that quality time. So and you're I, not commuting as well. Right. So, therefore, back to your point about coaching, I coached his uh, little league team, I coached his t-ball team all the way up to sometimes I may, if they needed some help, may help coach his travel ball team. But but it's given me time to spend that quality time, where, which means a lot, and it makes sure that he understands why you got to do certain things, being a gentleman. And I think we've accomplished that. And so, but it's still, you can't stop. Ever, you, you're always going to continue to be a parent. So 
live in Atlanta. What part of Atlanta did you live in? We lived in Snellville. Okay. Uh, I spent two, had two stints in Atlanta back in the 96 when the Olympics was there. Then I came here. What a magical time. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, we lived in Snellville uh, up there near um, uh, off 78. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and really loved it and just, uh, but really my wife and I, we got married here in 97 and, uh, but literally it was just a blessing that we can spend quality time together and, and eat dinner at a certain time at night. So Columbus, at least in your personal situation, offered a better quality of life. No doubt. Atlanta. No doubt. Uh, I tell you this here. Columbus is a place that embraces family and, you know, where you can be a, work as much as you want to or as little as you not one says little, but as much as you want to and be there for your family because, you know, what you're seeing a lot, sometimes you have a lot of parent, parents that will work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And then some, I mean, I mean the kids need their attention. So we've been very fortunate to be, be back here again. When you're sitting in some of these chamber rooms and you got a CEO or a Zoom call with a CEO who's looking at the potential of putting a business and jobs in Columbus, do you say that? Is that? I mean, do you talk about the quality of life here? And I came back here from Atlanta, and absolutely, that's a powerful message. Absolutely, you know, I was up in DC uh, last week and had a, a Northeast Southeast conference and. You know, someone was asking me about, you know, where do you live? I said, well, we live a little bit south of Atlanta. And um, and then there's a young lady who was from Maryland that's kind of said, hey, you know, my folks are in Sonoya. I said, well, you know what? Columbus is uh, probably 40 minutes or so. A little from- south of that. So And so really uh, she has an interest coming here. And uh, so sure we'll probably be having some conversations. And so, but for for. You know, but we do have those conversations because I think, you know, uh, we're three hours away from the beach, uh, which, you know, you don't have to deal with that other traffic getting through Atlanta and actually probably a little close to the airport than most up in Atlanta. What's your favorite part of Columbus? I mean, what's your favorite thing about Columbus? Uh, you know what? Um, wow. Um, there's a lot, you know. I, I think the favorite part of Columbus is, you know, people are very genuine. They're very giving. Columbus is a very giving community. And I tell you, you know, even folks that have, you know, helped Boys and Girls Clubs over the 85 years, you know, from, you know, Mr. Turner, you know, uh, Mr. Barnett Woodruff, John Flournoy, who has been a staple in the community and on our board for about 53, 54 years, you know, and, 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 and they don't look at color. They look at, you know, who can we help? And that's that's what that's the greatest thing that we can do in our community. Uh, take the color out and let's look, look, look who can help. And, and and they've been helping kids and for years and years and years. And we've got to figure out a way how we just. I think we we're just in a little rut right now. What we're seeing with a lot of our kids, but I, I do believe at some point they're going to turn the corner. You know, we're trying to provide a platform where you know working with kids in middle school, when the fact that they realize. Okay, what's your plan? You're in middle school. One day you're going to graduate. What do you want to do? How can we help get you there? You can't get somewhere without at least some form of plan or map, right? No. I mean, and Boys and Girls Club is part of that. Y'all are kind of map makers for some of these kids, right? We we are. You know, some of the things we try to do is get them to uh, college campuses so they can dream. You know, we had some kids up in LaGrange last week, uh, a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, they take tours of Auburn. They go up to Atlanta, um, some down to Valdosta. So we kind of give them some options. That's what's out there because most of the times, you know, it's you know they need some way of forced transportation getting there. So we'll use our mini buses to kind of get them to uh, a college campus so you know they can prepare and be ready when they graduate from high schools. We just got to start younger. You know, our parents, we, we were dreaming when we were young. We want them to continue to dream so they can want, they can reach their, I mean, whatever desire to do in life. The flip side of the question yeah. I just asked you about what you like the most about our city, and I think you're, you're spot on yeah. on the philanthropic part. I mean, Chancellor Perdue, yeah. former governor on this podcast two month and a half or so ago, said Columbus puts its money where its mouth is. Right. And I think that's a pretty good way of looking at it. But the flip side of that is what is our biggest challenge? Our biggest challenge, in my opinion, is, you know, we, you know, there's um, the haves, there's the have-nots. And we've got to figure out a way how we bring the, the have-nots forward because if not, at some way, form, or fashion, we're going to have to pay for it. we got to figure out how we can, you know, be able to put people to work opportunities and job and job training you know we we got fort benning that's you know a few miles down the road where we got to figure out how we can you know really on board a lot of these folks that are retiring you know getting integrated into the community because they have a lot of skill set but i'll tell you you know we've we've got to we got to help the the underserved you know and we got to figure out how the way we can incorporate them into the workforce some kind of way um, because at the end of the day, we need them to go to work. Because you know, I think that's a good sign when you work. Your 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 kids going to realize I got to go up and I got to grow up and work as well. You know, it's nothing's going to be given to me free. You know, that's one thing for me. You know, I don't. You know, I've I've been the beneficiary of opportunities, but one hard work is something that I was taught at a very 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 young age that has lived with me today. And I try to, uh, you know, really share that with my son as well. So. You know, one of the things that makes Columbus a little different than Atlanta in, is that the haves and the have-nots, using your term, live in very close proximity sure. to each other. They use a lot of the same grocery stores. I mean, it's, yeah. you, know, you know, and do you think the fact that the haves and the have-nots are so – closely intertwined in this community is one of the reasons it's such a philanthropic place. I, I would totally, totally agree with you, Chuck. I mean, just from our, uh, what, what we see at boys and girls clubs, when we have a literacy program where, you know, people that don't look like me or people in general coming in wanting to read to kids, knowing that that's, that's just the fundamentals of life, being able to read. And, and I think that's just what, you know, we all see in Columbus. You know, I mean, they don't care what you look like. We just want to help. And it's just been a very blessing to our organization and the community, you know. So it's, it's great. The crime issue we're yeah. facing right now, a lot of it's black on black. A yeah. lot of it's kid on kid. Yeah. If somebody could make you the czar of the city, mm -hmm. and you could make one fundamental change in what's happened to address this problem. What would that change be, Rodney? You know, I would tell them, you know, back in our day, we fought. We we, we, we kind of punched each other in the mouth. I never forget. I you, was you, you No guns. No this guns. No guns. I never forget. I, I, my cousin pushed me into fighting another young man of mine, and we fought. Then the next day, we were friends. And, you know, and that was it. 
Today, yeah. the next day, the guy's dead. That's right. So you know, I, you know, we, we, no one's life is worth losing. No one's life is worth mo- losing. And I'll tell you, it's it's hard for me. And I ask, you know, I, I have some of my, you know, brothers and sisters sometimes, what what drives you to kill someone? Because at, at some point in time, you're not going to get out. And your life is gone. You know, everything you dreamed about is gone. There are a lot of dreams buried in that jail yeah, right now. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to understand to be in an eight by eight cell for the rest of your life with recess outside probably once a day and not be able to be around your family or see your kids. I don't understand that. Nothing's worth losing your whole life. I just don't understand. I think what, you know, for us, we had male role models in the community that really, even the knuckleheads would say, hey, you're not going to do this. You keep moving. I wasn't going to try it because I, yeah. I knew what was going to happen at home. It just wasn't me. And we, we, we need more of that. We need more of, of minority. The men. knuckleheads didn't have guns, Rodney. I know they did not. But I tell you, we need more minority males. And I say that because sometimes we can really share our experiences with them and how we got out. Some of them don't have a plan. When you, when, when you don't have hope, you end up falling in that despair piece. And when you have despair, you would do anything if it's gang banging, selling drugs, or whatever. And we got to figure out how we can turn the corner there, you know. So, in a weird way, with your boys and girls clubs, with these teenage high school kids and late middle school kids, one of your competitors for these kids is gangs. Yeah. I mean, you're literally competing yeah. against them for these kids. We are. We are. How do you do that? Yeah. You want a career or you want to be buried? I mean, it's it's either one. You know, it's either gang life, which is not going to last for long, or you can have a career in whatever you want to do if you work hard for it. And so a lot of these kids that are choosing the gang life don't have any hope. And when you don't have any hope, you kill, you gun bang, you steal, you do it all. And we got to figure out how we make sure a lot of kids have hope and making sure they want to be whatever they want to be when they grow up. And so for me, it was sometimes you, you dibble and dabble and then you figure out what you really love. So I'm in a position now that I love my job. It's not really a job. It's a passion because I get an opportunity to make sure that we are trying to put kids on the right track. What does it feel like when one of those kids takes the wrong road? You know them. I mean, you can. I mean, I can talk about it in theory. You know those kids. You you've been around them. You know, you kind of sit back and reflect and just wonder why that kid went left instead of going right. And there's so many different reasons. I I mean, you can. It could be peer pressure. It could be just have given up and on life in general. And, but, you know, to your point, the gangs will suck you up. And one that, and once you end, it's almost like you, you, you end for life and it's hard to leave. 
when you look at kids that have been killed or kids that are arrested for killing kids, are there names you recognize? There are some. And I would, I would, that's a bad day for yeah, you. Isn't it? That's, it is. It's a bad day for all of us, especially parents. You know, I just was watching the news this morning about a young man that just got killed over in East Columbus. And, you know, a mom should not be burying a son that young. And, uh, and we're seeing too much of it. You know, to be honest with you, you know, the black on black crime, you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, you know, because there's already a struggle in the African-American community and we're killing each other. Does it make sense? Doesn't make sense at all. I mean, something's wrong with that. You know, I don't understand. I don't understand. And so, and, I, and if I, you I, don't understand, imagine being me, yeah, 60 year yeah. old, 62 year old white guy. Yeah. I fully don't yeah. understand. It. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I, I, I don't understand. And I don't think I ever will because I wasn't raised that way. I don't think you were raised that way, Chuck. And so for us is, I mean, we, we can't even fathom, you know, going down that kind of path because it's not things that we, we, we talk about uh, or do, but it's just, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tragic. It, it really is. It really is. When, you know, you're at 50, and 50 is certainly one of those ages, at least for me, where you start to do a lot of self Reflect. You yeah. start self-reflecting. You start saying, okay, you know, I'll use a baseball technology. You just got to the bottom of the six. Yeah. I mean, you, you, got, you three, got three more innings to go. Right? You got three more innings to go. Yeah. But, you know, you start you – know, you may be in the bottom of the fifth. But yeah. you, you're okay. going to the okay. sixth, I'm telling you. When you start looking at it that way, and I know people who have been around sports, I'm a recovering sports yeah. editor – you start looking at yeah. things kind of in athletic terms. I know mm-hmm. what is the athletic way, the sports way to look at what's happening with these kids and with these gangs. There's got to be some type of way to look at that. And I don't know if I've asked that well, but I think you understand what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm going to try my best to answer that question. Um, the way you, you, the question you ask. And I will say, Chuck, it's probably, you know, we're in the fourth quarter, uh, a minute and 20 seconds to go. What, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? How, how are we going to come out as a champion on top of this here? And I would say what that looks like if I, we're, we're on the, on the, on the, this say football field right now. You know, it's take the Alabama Auburn game last year. You had to go to length of the field in the last minute and a half to save a national championship. You better believe a poten- it. Yeah. A shot at national championship. Yeah. So I, I would say, um, you know, you got to go big or go home. You know, you got to go big or go home. I mean, that's kind of been my whole um, motto. You know, from athletics, where you know, whatever you want in life. You got to try to pursue it, and so for, and I think that's just been me. I've been never, you know, you know, you, you kind of do a few things well, and then you get in life and realize what your true passion and calling is, and and so for me, it's been the work that I've been doing, and for a while. How does this community go big or go home when it tackles the youth violence problem in our community? You know. Um, 
I don't think it's, uh, I say it's a community. It is a community issue. I mean, you ask how people can, how individuals can really, um, you know, I would say, take care of all the violence. I mean, why? You know, I think it's it's, it's a community issue, but I will say it's more of a family issue uh, that sometimes we get some support and help from the community. Uh, parents have got to continue to do a better job of, you know, raising kids. And I think that's where it really begins to start there, Chuck, where you got parents that really are teaching young boys and young girls how to be ladies or how to be gentlemen. And I think that's what we've, we've lost. And in some kind of way, I mean, how, how can we bring that full circle where we can, can close that circle where, you know, in these earlier years, these young folks are realizing, you know, what is it, what are the standards of being a good woman or a, or a good, a good, good man? You know, and it's not just boys. I mean, yeah. you know, you look, I mean, there was a homicide recently where two teenage girls mm. got in a fight at yeah. a park, showdown, yeah. and one of them pulls out a gun, and she is now charged with murder. Yeah. Um, and one kid's dead, and one, one girl's facing a murder yeah. charge. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's just nuts. Yeah, it is. You know, I, you know, I, it's hard to understand why someone takes a gun out and kills someone unless they're protecting their family or whatever. I mean, I, I mean, I think there are some reasons why you have to do that when you, when you, when you need to. But just for the sake of an argument or disliking or something, I mean. Or gang retaliation. Absolutely. Gang activity. I mean, I mean, you, you, you go on, you're going away. And, and, I, and, and the fact that going, going to jail scares me anytime. And so I, and I don't understand how, you know, people want to go. And that's where your mom, your, your grandmother, yeah. your grandfather, your coaches, you, you could see what you were looking at. I'll tell you this here. There was community rearing up in the community, meaning anyone in the community could discipline you and they would tell your parents and they would be fine with it. That was the same way it was in the school system. You know, anybody, you know, teachers could discipline you. I'm going to call your mom. You can call you. Absolutely. And then you would just straighten up right now. There's no fear of kids. Not all kids. I'm not going to say that. No fear about getting in trouble. They don't really care. Do you think it's they don't know the consequences of the actions? You know, the scariest place in this community to me is the Muskogee County Jail. I don't like being there. And when I've been in there a number of times, most recently about three, four months ago, when they start locking those doors behind you, even though you know you're coming out, it, 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 it it's scary to me. And you know, and I, but I grew up in an era where you, this is where you don't want to be. No, 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 uh, Chuck. I, I tell you, it's, uh, I, I, I don't ever want to go there. Nope. And then, and, and I hope you know, my son never wants to go there. But I tell you, it's, you know, it's hard to believe there's certain people that 
honestly don't mind being in that eight by eight, but I, that's something I don't ever want to do. Oh, man. Rodney, our director here is Lewis Myers, and Lewis has been listening to this, and I'm of one generation, sure. you're of another generation. Lewis is of a younger generation, and sure. you know, he knows some of the stuff we're talking about. I mean, what, what do you want to ask? You've been listening to this, Lewis. What do you want to ask, Rodney? I think I kind of want to know what advice would you give someone who doesn't know that they're doing it wrong? You know, um, I th- no, good question you asked, you, Lewis. And I would say this here. Uh, one, I have a tendency of like putting my hands on kids, uh, not hand, not, not hitting them or anything, but on the shoulder and just say, you know what, you know, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, some people, I mean, individuals in general, and I'm sure I've done it with my son before, they go attacking about why you're doing this so wrong as opposed to really lifting them up and talking about, I mean, great. I mean, hey, you play football? I mean, plan to go to college? Where would you like to go? Uh, What would you like to be when you grow up? You know, we have a lot of kids that talk about basketball and playing football. Hey, that's great. So what if that doesn't work for you? So what's your plan? How are your grades? And then we start talking about grades. Well, you know, I'm okay. Well, you know, well, you're going to want to work for somebody one day, right? You want to be better than okay. And I think it's a conversation of helping kids understand that, you know, one, I was an okay student, but I worked hard. And I was probably okay in high school. But I knew that I wanted something greater than being in Bainbridge, Georgia, which is my home. I love Bainbridge. But I, I wanted a lot, a lot more than – I knew I could probably do. And so, uh, and sometimes kids just, and, we, I, and I tell them, I say, if you work hard, people will notice it. You know, be respectful. Never disappoint your mom. Never disrespect your mother or your grandmother, your father, whoever. Because a lot of kids in our community are raised by single parent mothers. I tell you, six, eight percent of the kids that we serve are raised by a single parent or a grandparent. And most of the single parents are women that are raising young boys to try to become men. And and it's hard for a woman to try to teach a young man to become a man, and it's hard for a male to try to teach a young girl how to be a, a you know, a, a, a woman. That's not a politically correct statement in today's... Well, it, it may not be politically correct, but I'm just going to tell you from how I was brought up in South Georgia and how things are today. It's, it's tough. It's tough. There's conversations you have with a young man sometimes as opposed to a female, where Chuck, probably you and I, I don't have a daughter, uh, but I, I've got all girls, uh, well, so, almost <laughs> three girls and one uh, boy. So, uh, and I think there are some things where, you know, you know, uh, kids, I mean, marry folks that may emulate the mother or the father and which they, the rearing that they see and things of that nature. So, uh, so I, so I try to get a little deeper to just kind of see, you know, in their heads, kind of in, get in their head a little bit. To be honest with you, I got a question for both of y'all, sure. and it'll be interesting to see. How old are you, Lewis? I'm 22. Okay, with your whole life in front of you, he's a genius in this room, man. He's tell. absolute yeah. genius. I can, uh, t- I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Do young people your age and younger, Lewis and Rodney, have a problem with authority? Young people? Yep. Uh, Is this an overall problem with authority? And that may not be a fair question. I apologize. I think, you know, 
one of the most, I would say, but it's something I'm proud of, man. Uh, you know, I started as a part-time employee after I graduated from, well, I'm in the midst of graduating, uh, working at a Boys and Girls Clubs in public housing in Athens, Georgia, Pardo community. And I needed a job. And so where I am now, many years ago, when I first started in like 95, uh, was working like $4 an hour minimum wage. Didn't know where I was going at all. All I knew is my mama got it. She's working factory work. I got to make some money some kind of way until I finish up graduating in 96. I stayed a little bit longer than I, I should. But I that Athens six-year plan's <laughs> popular. <laughs> it was actually five. five <laughs> four, four and a half, Chuck. And, and so, you know, for me, you know, I've started at the bottom. I've, I've appreciated being at the bottom because – now where I'm at, where I'm at, and 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 I, I understand, um, you know what happens beneath me, and I'm a team player. But for me, it was just being able to appreciate uh, the ride, and the ride's been good. You know, every I, I thank God every day. He's He's given me an opportunity to tell the true story why we got to do it, and so I'm so very fortunate to be. In a position, but, but I, you respected authority. I loved it. I'm, honestly, honestly, I was one of those that was on the heels of everything that either my VP of operations or CEO at that point in time was telling me. And so, you know, I was a listener. I was. I'm always one to really sit and listen, and 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 ask questions uh, when needed. So, do the people that get in trouble, and Lewis can answer this too, uh, do they have a problem with authority? I mean, Lewis, go ahead. I would say they do. Um, just being around certain people like that, um, I realize that they have a I don't care attitude. Mm -hmm. No matter who you are, even if you're friends with them, they really don't care. So if they want to do something, they'll do whatever yeah. they want to do. Yeah. I'll add to that. I think, um, Chuck, Chuck, we've, um, I mean, you and I, I mean, you've got a, a couple years on me. Um, we have really we have a generation that want it quick and in a hurry. They want it like tomorrow. They want to be yesterday. President. Yesterday. They want yes. to be CEO of whatever organization it is today. But they're smarter than we are too, Rodney. Yes, much smarter. I, I agree with you on that. And but the thing is, is I mean, you know, you know, it's almost like you're riding through the country on a summer day, the wind blowing. Enjoy the ride. Because that's an opportunity that sometimes you you reflect back and just in, in, inhale and realize you know how you got to where you are, the people that have helped you along the way, uh, and because sometimes you can rise too quick and and, and fall very hard. And so uh, for me, it's just you know being able to um, help young people that reach their dreams. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, okay, I'm going to be okay one way or the other. My goal now is trying to help people that uh, really want help and, and guidance and, and mentoring. I mean, it's, it's something I like to do because someone helped me along the way. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I'm like a lot of someone's yeah, helped you yeah, along the way. Yeah, really? And, you know, we're toward the end of this, and I'm going to do something I've done with every sure. podcast. I'm really curious to see where this one goes. I call it Turn the Tables. You get to ask me a question. I've been asking you questions, even been asking Lewis questions today. But, uh, Turn the tables up. I mean, 
what's something you would ask me? You know, uh, someone outside of who, who just, yeah, I got one here. So who was that person outside of your mother and your father? Um, outs and, and not a relative that really has been a, a big influence to you over your life, Chuck? The first one that comes to mind is Wendell Barr. Wendell was a basketball star at Central High School, played at Columbus College when it was a junior college, then played at Huntington. Coach Barr was my high school basketball. I didn't play basketball. I was his manager. So I got to see him in a way. Now he coached me in junior high football, but I got to see him for a couple of years huh. as the guy that was taping ankles and that. And Coach Barr, he uh, was an enormous impact on me. I mean, enormous impact. The other guy, funny enough, is Aubrey Dykes. Aubrey Dykes is somebody nobody's ever heard of. Mm. He worked for the Alabama Department of Transportation. And for three summers, I worked for Alabama DOT. And um, it was a prime job. But the first year, you had to pay your dues. They put me on a truck with Aubrey Dykes. And he was an older white guy been DOT his whole life, and he's driving this truck, and we're driving US-82 and the Barber County back roads, scraping roadkill off of the road with a shovel. Mm. And we get out, we get a dead deer, a dead raccoon, or we would empty trash cans at these wayside stations. And I spent more time puking than I did get. So I, I couldn't do it. I, I have a very high gag gag reflex and getting that roadkill off the road. And he looked at me one day, got in after I'd been over in the woods doing what I would do after we did it. He looked at me and he goes, this is why you get a college education. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I, I remember those days. Uh, you know, my we, my grandparents – we preserved everything. So, therefore, you know, you had to go out and pick it. So, the corn or whatever the case was. Ain't not, there ain't nothing better than cucumbers that are pickles in the Absolutely. And, no, it, go ahead and finish your story. No, I was just going to tell you that that's just, I just remember those days of just preserving corn and things that was most, we, I don't think my grandparents ever went to the grocery store. Everything that they, um, we, we vegetables was basically from a somebody's farm or somewhere. I've got a raised bed, two raised beds that uh-huh. I that I garden right now in the backyard in the shadow of the government uh-huh. center downtown, and it is one of my great joys to go out there and pick tomatoes and peppers uh-huh. and okra. I even grow okra. Um, I love being able. I mean, there's something about growing something you eat uh-huh. that is, you know. I mean, I'm you follow your Bainbridge. I yeah. think we both understand that. I've been to you follow before in the brickyard where we played football over there, which was. Which Did y'all was, play you follow high? Oh yeah, it was one of the toughest games we've ever played. Playing they didn't it. call it a brickyard because of the stadium. They called it because that because what was on the field, right? Well, I'm gonna tell you this here, you follow. I mean, that was probably one of the, some of the toughest battles that we had playing them. I mean, they was just. Man. You know, and though you know. One of the things about growing up straddling the line like we have from Bainbridge, Eufaula, or Columbus, you get to see these interstate game, interstate yeah. games, oh, and yeah. you get to see, you know, I, I love high school football. I think it's just a great character builder, and I think you know a lot of kids that come out of it are, are better off for it. You know, there's a story here of 
that I did a few years ago, and I wish I could remember the kid's name. The kid and his mom were living in Eagle Trace Apartments. Mm. He was at Marshall. Um, he was in middle school. Friends got in trouble. Mom said, yeah. your mom said, I'm getting him out of here. She had family, and she moved, moved her and her son up to Lynette. Undersized defensive back, played four years under uh, Clifford Story and Chip Siegel at Lynette. Wow. Kid signs with UNA, plays four years at UNA, uses the NIL, transfers to Alabama State to work on his master's. It goes back to what we've been talking about the whole time. That yeah. mama yeah. did what she had to do. She thought he was running with the wrong crowd. Yeah. And that was that's yeah. that's the parenting yeah. you're talking about. That's right. It? That's right. Yeah, you know that's just what we got. I mean, you know, parents have got to. I mean, bottom line, you know, I mean, your parents for a reason, and you got to give your kids guidance and just be there with them. And I mean, not going to be perfect, but one, they need the guidance, and so um, that's just something we got to do. That's a perfect way to end this. Our guest has been Rodney Close. Rodney is the president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Columbus. He's also the current chairman of the board of the Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce. He's a guy that is uh, heavily involved in this community and both the, you're involved in the have and the have not side of the community. I mean, you've got a unique view and yeah. thank you for sharing it with us. No, Chuck, it was my pleasure. And um, I mean, I appreciate all you do and the community does for our, our kids because um, if we want to be a better community, we all have to chip in in some kind of way and uh, give a, I mean, just encouraging word to kids or just, you know, just um, tell them how great they are because sometimes that's not the case in some of those situations. If somebody wants to volunteer at the Boys sure. or Girls Club or get involved and maybe help out in some way, how do they do it? You can give us a call at uh, 706 Five nine six nine three three zero, and then get one of the extensions. and um, And if you want to volunteer, you can come in and uh, volunteer. And um, if it's reading to kids, if you just want to, you know, really just help out in any kind of way, we have a lot of volunteers that help us out. So we're very open to it. We're doing a lot of recovery work now for kids, helping them uh, recover from what they lost during COVID, just due to some funding that we've received from the, the governor's office, the Boys and Girls Clubs in Georgia, which is really helping us to catch some kids up because most of them are four, four, four months behind when it comes to reading and five months behind when it comes to math. So we've got to help our kids get caught up. Well, Rodney, thanks for being here. You've been listening to another episode of The Chuck Williams Show. Wow. The Chuck Williams Show airs on Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 on WRBL.com. It's also available on your favorite podcast format, iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. Social media, yeah, we're there too. You can get me on Twitter at Chuck Williams, Facebook, Chuck Williams WRBL, Instagram, Chuck Williams 0999.